Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice Podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin! This episode is sponsored by Formatted Books. Formatted Books is a book design company for independent authors who want to see their written work come alive. Hello, listeners. In this episode, we are headed to Baltimore, Maryland, to talk to Dr. Manisha Ayuwalia. She's a physician and life coach and is the co-author of the anthology The Warrior Women Project. So, my dear Manisha, welcome to the RV. Thank you so much, Lucia. So exciting to be here in this RV with you. Sure, it's my pleasure. Manisha, I've already spoken to two authors from the Warrior Women Project, Pat Beckley and Judith Obatuza. They are amazing ladies. Have you met them before? In real life, I've never met them. We know each other from our WhatsApp chat, and we know each other from Zoom calls, but only because of the book. And the founder of the book project, Dr. Lulu, knows each of us separately and brought us all together to co-author this book. That's the only way I know them. And now we've become, as it says in the book title, a sisterhood. You, you think someday you guys are going to meet Plans are in place, plans are in place, but they're top secret. Can't tell you more. <laughs> okay, no problem. And with COVID, we cannot make many plans, but I'm super positive that someday you all can gather together. And I see that your parents immigrated to the U.S. from India in the 70s. Is correct? Yeah, that was when many, many Indians came to the U.S. around the 70s, sometimes the early, late 60s. Yeah. Okay, so you were born in the U.S. That's correct. I've been to Chennai once, and I enjoyed it a lot, Manisha. Indians are super friendly, which makes me love India so much. So have you been to India? Yes, I spent so many summers in India with my parents and my grandparents, my cousins, my uncles, my aunts. Yeah, and I still keep in touch with them regularly, though I don't travel there as much anymore. Just life in general as an adult is busier. But yes, I've spent many, many months um, in India growing up there. And what do you like the most about India? Oh, probably the same as most other people. It's the food. It's the colors, the vibrant, <laughs> vibrant colors. I often say that when you go into a shop in an American store, you barely ever see those hues, those rich colors, 
that you can see in the textiles and the fabrics that you see in India. And I think there's such a contrast and it's very attractive to me to see those beautiful, bright, vibrant colors that you can see all over India in the clothing, in the jewelry, um, just everything around you is just full of life and vibrancy. And that's what I enjoy the most. And of course the food, it's always going to be my comfort eating Indian food, especially my mom's food. Um, and then my family in India, which I, luckily I've been able to stay close with, even though we don't live in the same country. It's such a beautiful country. Yes. And I will say one thing about the food that I think people don't realize. Yes, Indian food is spicy, but it can be looked at in two different ways. Spicy can just be flavorful and Indian food is absolutely very flavorful. But when you talk about spicy, like hot spicy, picante spicy, that thing that makes you want to drink water and, and fan your mouth, that is according to each family's preference. So if your mom is accustomed to making super spicy food, then yes, your food is spicy, but not every household makes very spicy food and not every part of India eats the same level of spice. So people don't need to be afraid of the spice when it comes to Indian food. It can be tailored any way you want. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, Manisha, Indian food is my favorite food. And Manisha, you practiced medicine for 13 years and then transitioned into life coaching. Why did you make this switch? Many things led to the decision. But one point was very obvious. I was in the room with a patient and I had had several episodes of burnout along my career. I was becoming less patient, less compassionate and less willing to go to work every day. And one moment happened in the room with the patient. The patient was being a patient and telling me their life story and whatever was happening with them. And I really lost my temper with the patient. And it wasn't like me. And I knew something had gone terribly wrong, right? This patient is only speaking out of fear of their own health. And they're relating that to me as their physician, as somebody that they want to be, uh, they want to confide in. And I wasn't unable to be compassionate and empathetic. And I knew that I had reached my limit in this career. It was more cons than pros at that point. And I knew it was time to do something different. And although I had been doing less and less medicine, less numbers of hours, less weekends, less shifts, nothing had become joyous. All of it was becoming burnout and uh, dread. And so it just wasn't working for me. It's a wonderful field for the person who can maintain a balance, who can find the balance, who really can do it for the right reasons. And I think the reasons had changed for me. And I still wanted to help others. And life coaching, as I had experienced as a client of coaches, became that next step for me. And it turned out to be a beautiful next step. I'm very happy that I made that transition. Yeah. And can you tell us about your work as a life coach? Yeah, sure. Um, first of all, let me tell you that coaching as a concept became available when I sought out the help of a coach for myself. And I was going through my own personal 
fertility problems. And so my physical health needed help. And instead of, instead of working on it myself with my doctor, I decided to hire a, a health coach. And the health coach was a doctor who was a life coach. And in fact, I hired two doctors who were life coaches. And so I was in their group programs and I was a client. And I learned the concepts of coaching, which happened to be very closely related to the concepts of cognitive behavioral therapy that you see in um, psychology and psychiatry and in mental health. So I realized that a lot of the help that coaches trained at the school where these coaches were trained, they were helping people with their mindset more than anything else, more than any actions that they might be taking. They were helping the clients with their mindset. And I realized that the mindset work that they were doing was not only helping in the physical sense, not only helping with the actions I was taking towards my physical health, but in all aspects of my life. So the mindset shift that was happening was touching on so many parts of my life that were improving slowly, but I could feel it. I could see it. I could see the results. In fact, I think this, the mindset shifts that they were helping me with, it was really helping more of parts of my life that, um, that were not physical. So I actually didn't have as many physical benefits in the time that I was their client that I was seeing other imperceptible changes. So changes in my relationship with my family, changes in relationship with my husband, changes in relationship with my friends. And finally, and the most important, changes in the relationship with myself. So that the trust I had in myself, right? The love I had for myself had grown so much that the physical changes no longer were as important to me right? I had gotten the changes I needed. And so when I experienced that shift in myself, I realized, oh, this is a wonderful thing to offer to others, right? What a great gift to pass on, to let others see that they can trust themselves, that they can love on themselves, and then let it touch all the parts of their lives that they want changes with. So as a coach, now I help women physicians through programs that have hired me as a coach for their clients. And then I also work as a a coach for my own business. I help Indian professionals because I know Indians and I know professionals help to create connection with their parents while still being proud of the choices that they've made in their own life. So I knew that my parents' relationship with me and my relationship with my parents was strained when I wasn't proud of the choices I was making. But as soon as I learned to be proud of my choices, knowing that I had choices in my life that I had made for myself, then I could see that my parents can say whatever they want to me, but I can still have love for them. And I also started to see that they are actually proud of me, just like I'm proud of myself. So when all of that became more clear, right, that I'm proud of me, they're proud of me, that I do love them despite their opinions of what my life should be like. Then we had the connection that we ultimately wanted. And then we get to live in that connection with each other. And that's what I want for my clients. While there's still time, create that connection with your parents. And that requires developing the love for yourself and having pride in what you're doing and still having love for your parents, even if their opinion of what you should be doing is different than theirs. So it's all about creating the connection with their parents while there's still time. And you have no regrets. 
you know, the only thing I don't do now is practice as a physician, but the skills that you learn along the way, and this is probably true for any transition, it's all gathering of skills and taking those skills with you, right? So even being a medical student, even being a resident physician, a, a doctor in training, and then practicing as a physician, it can be thought of as a, as a learning experience. And you just keep some of the skills with you and leave some of the things that you didn't enjoy for, from it behind. And so I didn't really leave medicine. I just stopped practicing medicine. It's still part of me, you know? And so there are no regrets. Yeah. That's the best part. Yeah. Yeah. And Manisha, um, what is the inspiration behind your story in the anthology? You know, I think what's become clear to me after being part of this experience is that we all have a story that's waiting to be written. And the mindset shift that I experienced through being a client as a coach revealed that love that I have for myself. That was the ultimate message in my story, that this unconditional love for ourselves is available to everybody that we have that relationship with ourselves. It just needs to be uncovered from all the life that has happened that has helped us forget that we have that. But just having that realization alone didn't, wasn't the only inspiration to write the book, right? I still needed Dr. Lulu, right? To come and say to me, hey, do you want to be part of this book? And that was it. It was like, okay, so I have this story inside of me. I know what I want to write about. And then here's this person offering the opportunity to make it a reality. And all of that had to come together. And once I started writing, the inspiration was um, self-propelling, right? As I wrote, I wanted to write more. And I think within an hour, the whole story was written. It didn't take long. Well, it's my personal story. It doesn't require any effort. It yeah. just flows onto the paper once you start. Right. When the story is powerful enough, it's going to write itself, I think. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I thought that you say rediscovering self-trust is your calling. So what made you so passionate about this? There was a huge point in life in which I thought that I didn't have a choice, right? There was something that was asked of me, hey, I want us to have kids, my husband said. And I, for the sake of my marriage, decided to try to have kids. 
But the whole time I was trying, I was thinking, I don't have a choice. This is not my choice. And I felt very disempowered. And for three years plus, I would say, I was living in this feeling of disempowerment. But if I could feel the disempowerment because of that, I really started to see how disempowered I was, had felt so much of my life. But only because I thought I wasn't making my own choices, that I was being forced to do things because of others' requests of me. Let's say but first it was my father, then it was my boss, then it was my husband. So all these people were saying, do this, do this. And I was thinking, oh, I have to. So I totally disempowered myself by thinking I have to, and I don't have a choice. So knowing that I have a choice because of the work that you do in mindset coaching, realizing that there's a choice creates that trust that, wait a minute, because I have choice, I have power. I know that I have power at all times. I know I have a choice at all times. That inner knowing, right? I now know, I now trust what I know. I know, I I now trust that instinct. But that was never gone. It was always there. And it's always there for all of us. We just forget. We let other things and thoughts let us forget that we don't have trust with ourselves, but it's always there. So that shift, right, is the power that I don't want any of us to forget. Why would we want to forget that when we can harness it and do great things? Or if not, we're moving towards doing something new, just being so well within ourselves in what we're already doing. If you're a mom if you're not a mom, if you're a single person and you're living a life and you don't want anything more, right? Why is that not the most amazing thing? Because you know that you're creating that for yourself. Trust what you are already doing. Trust who you already are. You're creating it. You're making this life happen for you. So perfect. (laughs) I saw that you talk a lot about being enough. You know, I see that There are many girls that are so dependent of others. It's not just young women. It's not just inexperienced women. It's not just women who are not professional. It's it's every woman and somehow every human. Because even if you look at the most prominent people, let's just say Oprah, for example, Or let's say, um, let's say Oprah, for example, if you had a coaching session with her and had to speak with her about what her issue is, and you really got into the deepest layer of what the issues are, there's something about inadequacy that there's the fabric of all of us for some reason. And I see this over and over and over again. And, you know, a lot of my clients are women physicians. The top 1% of the world, physicians who are um, highly successful in the most um, conventional sense of the word, but deep down, they have those insecurities and the inadequacy from within, not based in reality, but based in their own thought about themselves. It's the self-perception 
that creates the feeling of inadequacy that permeates all parts of life in some form or fashion. And it doesn't matter who you are. So it's not the young girl and not the inexperienced girl, but it's all women and sometimes even men, men less than women, but men too. And this I've seen over and over again, starting with me as client zero, right? And then all the clients that have been coached. And it's everybody. So coaching is that tool, I think, that creates awareness that we have this and letting it be okay, because we are like everybody else, no matter who we are or what we've accomplished. This is the same. This is the part of us that's the same about all of us. That's what I want to say about inadequacy. It is part of us. It is part of our humanness. And so all we were trying to be is be human, then you're already there. Very well said. Yes. And Manisha, you mentioned your journey with embryo adoption. Mm-hmm. Can you share more about this? I would love to. As trying to stay um, in harmony with my husband, I tried to become pregnant and never knew that I would have trouble. Of course, nobody knows they're going to have trouble when they start trying. And we tried and we tried. And for four years, uh, we started with naturally trying. We tried with some hormones. We tried with some procedures in the doctor's office. And then we even tried IVF, in vitro fertilization. Um, I had several miscarriages. And unfortunately, also even had to have uh, dilation and curettage so that I had to go to the operating room to have non-viable pregnancies removed from my body. So... I went to the extremes, I would say, um, in my body and my efforts, and even just the emotions that are tied up in this whole thing, and not to mention the effects it has on your marriage. And the expectations that you face from in-laws and from parents and from family and everybody who's expecting you to have family. In my culture, especially the Indian culture, it's just, you know, it's part of life. You get married, you have killed, you know, you have children. And um, in this whole effort, because we were losing pregnancies over and over, we kind of agreed that it was probably the age of the eggs that was causing the chromosomal problems that was causing the miscarriages. So in order to change that variable, I understood from an anonymous post on a Facebook group that there is a concept of embryo donation. Never heard of it before until 2020. In 2020, somebody said, I have embryos available for adoption. And I said, I will take them. I didn't know who she was. Turned out we talked and she's not Indian and I'm Indian. Well, I would have had babies born to me that were not Indian. And I was okay with that. And so was my husband. But the embryos never came to us. It didn't work out. But the concept of embryo adoption really became available to me. I heard about it for the first time last year. And let, let it be known, I'm, I'm a physician and I have very good information around me. It's just until you're looking for it, you don't find it, right? So somebody anonymously posted, hey, I have these embryos. I said, I'll take them. It didn't work out. But the concept now became available to me. And the same girl, six or seven months later, wrote to me on a Facebook message. There's an Indian woman who has embryos available that she's donating. Do you want them? 
I said, of course, we had just completed another miscarriage. We had just been through another DNC. So another non-viable pregnancy had to be removed from my body in the operating room under general anesthesia. This is where we were in our journey in 2020. It was like December, January, uh, December, 2020, January, 2021, something like that. So I was put in touch with this woman, this Indian woman who was giving up her embryos. She and her husband talked to me and my husband, and we realized that we are, you know, we favor one another. We do like one another and they did want to offer their embryos to us, but they said, we also want to help out other family members if we can help another family. So they found another second family, just like my husband and me, who also were looking for embryos. And because the donor couple had five embryos to donate, they gave three to us and two to the other couple. So they were able to help two families. So we went through the formal adoption process this year, right? And that means, number one, we agree on some terms. We put them down on paper. A lawyer reviews the contract my lawyer, their lawyer, just like an adoption. We go through a psychology appointment just to make sure that we know what we're doing and they know what they're doing. Um, And then we also go through the actual medical appointment, not only with my fertility doctor, but the doctor in the clinic where their embryos are stored because their embryos have been frozen now for five years since they did their fertility treatments five years ago, thinking they would need them again but they didn't need them and they still were paying the storage fees for these five years. So probably about March this year, we adopted three embryos from this family that we were put in touch with December last year or January this year from the same anonymous poster from several months prior to that, right? So the whole story has been connected. The other interesting thing is The second family that adopted these embryos happens to be in the same city where I live. We have met each other and we've met the donor couple as well. The donor couple is moving to the same area where we all live right now. Yes. Yes. And on top of that, they have two children, the donor couple. They came to visit and I met them and I saw the child that was the youngest child. And I looked at the child and I thought, if that embryo had been the one donated to me, instead of transferred into the woman's body, then that child would be my child. And any child that I have, from their embryos is gonna look like this child I'm looking at and will be siblings with this child that I'm looking at. So the one thing that they really required this donor couple is that the, any um, successful children born of these embryos should know one another, right? So these siblings born from these embryos should know the living siblings. And so that was part of the contract. We all agreed on this. And that's called an open embryo donation, open embryo adoption. So it's an open situation. And we were all in favor of this. And so the couple here, us and the donor couple all wanted the same thing. We're all Indian. The women are all physicians. We're all connected at the same Facebook group that connects women physicians who have infertility 
who are moving on to donor eggs and embryos. So it's a sub subgroup of women with infertility that brings us together. And then the story has just gotten more and more, I would say, serendipitous. It was just meant to be this way. Wow. Interestingly enough, we tried, my husband and I tried to use one of these embryos, but we only got to the stage of preparing my body to receive one. I would have gone to the clinic where the embryo is stored and then in that clinic, in a different state, the embryo would have been transferred into me, except my body wasn't responding to the hormones. And so we've had to stop the cycle. And when we stopped the cycle, um, the doctor said we can start again in four to six weeks. And my husband had shared his thoughts with me that sounded like he was blaming me. And for the third time this year, I really felt like I was being blamed even though I had done so much in this journey. And I realized it's his anger and resentment that's causing him to put blame on somebody else when it's really just his anger and pain. But I was no longer willing because of my own self-trust, but because of my own unconditional love for myself, no longer willing to be in this space where he has his anger and resentment, but then I have to suffer because of the words he uses in response to that. So I took myself out of that picture so we're actually separated now and I have these embryos. So just like we separate things in the house and just like we separate our cars and just like we separate ourselves in two different homes and any other assets that we own and separate our finances, we also need to separate these embryos. So the embryos are ours. And I was approached by many people when I was going through my fertility journey that, hey, I have embryos. Do you want them? And I said, no, thank you. I already have my own. So one of the people that I connected other embryos to has been part of my contacts and she didn't take the other embryos. In fact, she offered them to somebody else. So she was now looking still for embryos. And so she is in the process of adopting the embryos that I adopted. And she's the same person who wanted these embryos a year prior. It's just that they came to me. <laughs> And now they're going to her. She wanted them originally a year ago. Didn't get them. I got them. And now they're going to her again. And she happens to be the same subculture of Indian as the embryos. It's not possible. <laughs> It's true. Really? And... You are not going to. I'm not going to use them. No. I'm not going to use them. I might as well let somebody else use them. I was only trying to get pregnant for the sake of my marriage, and the, and the marriage is no longer. So it's time for somebody else to use them. And who better, right, than the person who really rightfully would have gotten them a year ago and just didn't for whatever reason. And now she's getting them. And they're the same subculture as she is. Wow, this story is incredible. And you do you believe that it was just a coincidence? I, I believe that I'm in touch with the universe and the universe is always guiding me. And I think that that is my trust in my own intuition that's guided by the universe and the energy that's out there. And 
to say it's coincidence, to say that it's meant to be this way, to say that it's always meant to be this way, that things are happening perfectly as they are. Um, whichever way you decide to phrase it, I think that these embryos were meant to be herds. They were created elsewhere. They were stored. They were adopted. I was just a conduit for her to receive them. But for me to even enter this equation, I don't know what guided that, right? It's trust in this is the next right step without worrying about what's coming later, without being attached to the outcome. What if I want them later? But that's not my current next step, right? My next step is to give them to somebody who wants them now. And that is what feels best to me. I feel content in allowing for somebody else to have them now, even if I want them or want some others in the future. I'm not going to hold on to them. That's not what feels right. Things changed completely for you. Things changed completely. And, you know, again, no regrets. I left medicine. I'm leaving my marriage. Um, but I'm finding myself. And I'm rediscovering the self-trust, right? Strengthening the self-trust that was always there. And so that message is always coming back to me without regret. And um, being a life coach, what's your biggest piece of advice in order to rediscover self-love? When you're doing something, whether it's something you've always been doing or doing something new, one thing will always come and that's fear. And fear doesn't mean something's gone wrong. Fear is supposed to be there. We all have fear, right? We all have these uncomfortable feelings that we feel over and over again. And because we feel them does not mean that something's gone wrong. It just means that you're being human. And we have to stop wishing for the day that we no longer feel uncomfortable, that we no longer feel sad, that we no longer have fear, anxiety, confusion. Because it's always going to be there. So it's just part of you. And if you want to accept something that's part of you, try coaching. It will make it okay to be who you are. Right? It will make it lovely to be who you are. And once you become who you are, right, then you get to be like, wow, I am super amazing. And I have all these amazing qualities and unique qualities that nobody else has. And using those, right, I get to bring that into this world for other people to see. I get to create something from that. I get to bring what's unique about me into this world and create something new in this world for other people to have and hold. Why not? Without doing the work that requires to love who you are now as you are, you'll be small. You'll not create. You'll not put yourself out there. And then the world will be missing who you really are. We don't get to see who you really are. So don't fear fear. 
let it be part of you. And that's what a coaching experience can let you do. Manisha, you accomplished a lot. You are so strong. You are such an example and an inspiration. What's next for you? I'm sure you're not going to stop here. The beauty is there's no attachment to anything. And so currently, I can tell you, I spend my time doing all the things that I love. And that includes being in this current life that I've built as a coach, as a sometimes doctor, um, as a tennis player, a competitor, a mother of a Indian street dog that I adopted this year, somebody who enjoys physical health, and a person who enjoys spending time with family and friends. That is what I do. And that's what I continue to do now. But as I get inspired by opportunities like this, Lucia, I realize that I love speaking. I love writing. So I find ways to express myself, not only in my coaching, but only also through interviews like this, speaking opportunities, writing opportunities. And the more you do it, the more they come. And so this is what's next, what's happening right now. More um, visibility more of my voice out there just because I think I have something to say and I think I want to touch more people that can hear the message that, you know, trusting yourself and loving yourself is the best form of self-care and it heals us. And so why not speak that more? Why not write that more? And so any opportunity that comes, I try to say yes. So On October 18th, there's a live storytelling event in my city. I um, submitted my story. They accepted it. And I'm going to be speaking on stage about embryo adoption because I can, because I get to, and because I don't have fear stopping me of sharing that in public. I also have a story about embryo adoption that's written that I've shared in a story writing contest. And that's also getting more and more votes. Um, and there's so many more podcast interviews this week, this month, um, writing opportunities that I've taken in doctor groups, in coach groups. There are, um, you know, conferences where I'm speaking. And so all of these things are just more ways to share my ideas. And hopefully with this group of women authors that I've been privileged to work with, Um, we're going to do some great things. I think there are going to be some great things coming from this book because this book is powerful. This book has so much to offer, so much real, raw emotion and reality of life that's faced in the immigrant transition that people who read it, I think, will see that you don't have to be given lots of gifts to be resilient in your life. And you also can stop being resilient when you've had enough resilience. <laughs> It's a really wonderful, powerful, inspiring book that I think if it gets to every coffee table in this world, it can really bring change. So that's what I'm up to. Yes. More cooking, more tennis, more health, more dogs, um, more speaking, more writing, and more just being. Nice. And 
Manisha, where can we find you? Um, the best place I think these days is Instagram. So I'm at Life Coaching for Indians. Um, I'm also on Facebook as Life Coaching for Indians. And I have a website, Life Coaching with Dr. Aluwalia.com. And that's everything. I'm on YouTube as well. If you just type in my name, Manisha Aluwalia, I'm on LinkedIn as Manisha Aluwalia. So I don't have any aliases and my Instagram, like I said, is Life Coaching for Indians, which is probably the best way to find me. So it's easy to find you. And I just want to say thank you very, very much to, for sharing your story with us, all that you went through with the embryo adoption and, and all the things you say in the book. I wish you success, I wish you love, and I also hope you can keep helping people and doing what you really love. Lucia, I want to say that you're an excellent, excellent interviewer. It's just been so heartwarming to be speaking with you. Um, you really bring your whole heart to the interview, and it's really lovely to be interviewed with you. Thank you. Thank you, too. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.